Hello, friends. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Kenton. This is Rewild University's Unleash Your Life podcast. Well, friends, this is our last episode of this season, and we wanted to share something that's made a huge difference in our lives. Yeah, it's always fun at the end of a season to look back and kind of say, okay, over this last year, what's something that we've really had as a theme that we sort of return to again and again and again, and not necessarily within the episodes of the podcast itself, but within our life as we are moving along. We had a lot of life lessons over the last year, a lot of experiences, but this has really stuck with us. And essentially what to me it boils down to is loving what you have. Loving what you have. Yeah. I remember once a long time ago, my dad sent me a birthday card and in it, one of the lines was, when you don't have what you love, love what you have. And there was sort of an implication of... At first I thought, I just don't agree with that. Whatever, what does that mean? But the more I thought about it over the years, the more I realized that the implication was, hey, it's nice to be satisfied with where you are. (laughs) That satisfied mind. Yeah, and could you stop for a moment instead of chasing all the things you don't have, all the things that you really love and you really need and really want and are going to complete you and make you happy and be that last thing before your life is perfect, could you just stop for a moment Give gratitude and notice all the things you already have that you truly, truly love. You know, when I hear that saying, sometimes for me, the first thing that comes to my mind is, wait a second, we just want to settle for mediocre in Mm -hmm. our life. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a crappy relationship. Well, just love what you have. Uh, And that I don't think is what that saying is pointing to. It's pointing to something that is spoken about in numerous traditions. I I love the way the Tibetan Buddhists talk about hungry ghosts, Mm. where we as people can be these hungry ghosts who have bottomless stomachs, right? These giant distended bellies that never get full, no matter how much we eat. And of course, here, eating isn't about food necessarily, but it is about all the things that we consume, Mm -hmm. attention, more objects in our life, the drama that we need, all these things that we fill our life with that we think are going to bring us to some state of happiness. But we haven't stopped to examine what are we really seeking? What do we mean by happiness? We just are (laughs) on this quest without even knowing really what we're questing after. Yeah, well, I think it's sort of a byproduct of our standard American culture which says, hey, more is better, bigger is better, better is better, more and more, do, do, build, build, keep going, keep expanding, expand, get more, get better. I mean, do you see it here? And Uh, there isn't necessarily an examination of, do I even need that? And I can just think of several people that we've been in contact with over the years who have done the opposite and said, you know what, this is too much for me. I don't need this gigantic job and this gigantic house and all of these cars and all of the stress and have decided to downsize 
and talk about, yeah, okay, sure. Now I drive a broken down pickup truck and I live in a thousand square foot house, but I am so happy because Hmm. I have what it is that I love. And that might be time with family, time for yourself to pursue your artistic interests or whatever it is that interests you. Um, There's more to life than just the more. Now, even if you're not trying to be the next Hollywood star and your dream isn't to own 13 different models of Ferraris. There are 13 different models? Uh, there's probably many, many more than that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking in one year for some oh. reason. <laughs> you may live already outwardly a very simple life. However, for almost all of us, this hungry ghostness is operating at some level inside of us. And even if it's operating at a very subtle level, it's worth looking at. Because as we'll see, the desires have a lot to do with where my mental energy is going and hence what I experience in my moment to moment experience of life. Well, we don't spend a lot of time paying attention to what our thoughts are doing. But this is a theme that's come up again and again in different episodes throughout our whole podcast. And that is, where is our energy going? What are we thinking about? And as you said, life could be lined up to look perfect. But if we're spending the majority of our time ruminating, we're really not there. Yeah. And a new way to think of this that we'll introduce in this episode is the thought of where your attention is going because we'll talk here and in videos i often bring this up what is your mental activity and where is your mental energy going but sometimes it's easier to think of it as where your attention is so if i am standing in the kitchen with you rebecca and i'm cooking and my attention is on you and i'm thinking about how grateful i am to be here with you have this space and time to cook this incredible food then my attention is going to that experience Mm. if my attention is going to a new business scheme that i'm thinking of that might bring us a whole bunch more money and this and that then my attention is not in that experience i'm having All that is missed because I am paying attention to my mental activity. That's always what's happening. We're paying attention to our mental activity. Is my mental activity ruminating? Is it thinking about some goal or scheme? Or is it present with what's going on right now in my life? Really good point. I guess I have to play devil's advocate and say... Not necessarily disagreeing with that, but if that's what I'm doing, what what about goals? Am I then supposed to not try to, I don't know, get the job that has come up at work that I really, really would love? Or to, as you said, <laughs> scheme and think about, hmm, you know, maybe there's a way I could work it so we could go on vacation this winter with the family. And to answer that, I think we have to go a little bit zen and a little bit deep because these goals that we hold in life, I mean, we're basically taught that's the meaning of life. I'm going to make goals for myself and attempt to achieve them. Outwardly, it seems fine, but when something comes in like this, it suggests that maybe there's a double-edged sword to that goal making or that goal orientation. Then we can ask that question that you've asked. Wait a second, are you asking me to give up all goals? Are goals bad? Again, should I just be satisfied 
with the mediocre life, with the job that I'm in, even though I hate it. But there is this strange thing spoken about in Zen, where you look at nature, and nature seems to, of itself, accomplish many, many goals. So I can look at a tree and I can say, wow, it's accomplished the goal of rising up really, really high, putting out its branches into the most optimal places to get sun. But we may question and say, is the tree having the same mental processing in order to, quote, achieve those things? Or does it just do it? And from studying Eastern thought, this idea of Wu Wei, we have hints that humans are also capable of that goalless achievement. There's still something that we can hold in our minds. We can reach for something, but we don't have to do it in a grasping way. We can do it so that the journey is the important part, the exploration, the fun of attempting to go after something without clinging to the goal. Okay, that's great. Uh, so what you're saying is it's not really about forsaking our goals, but it's more are we grasping at them? Are we attached to what happens and really forcing and trying to control things? Or, well, I guess I think about playing a game. So when you play the game and it's only about winning and you're not winning, <laughs> you are having a lousy time. Oh, my goodness. I had Maybe I've spoken about this. I had a, let's say, a friend at one point in my life who was so competitive with games that this person, if they were not winning, would pick up the board and throw it across the room, very intent on the winning. And in that way, there was never really any fun in playing. Mm -hmm. It is way too heavy uh, emotionally, and I think there's too much energy that goes into something that we can't really control. But if we're going to, as you're saying, step into a place where we're playing for the enjoyment of it, we're playing for the love we have of this game or sport, and we're playing to have fun, then we kind of have already won. And I know that sounds cliche, but I feel like it's true. If you're just having fun and you don't really care about winning, then when you do win, that's a cherry on top. But otherwise, Wow, think about all the wonderful benefits there are of playing a game. I'm going to bring up our daughter Liliana here, who has been playing croquet with a bunch of her friends. And uh, there's older people, and she maybe is not quite as skilled at the game yet. As, She's the youngest player. Yeah, often the youngest player. She does not seem to care at all whether she wins. She just has fun in playing. So she wins every time because she's having that fun. <laughs> she wins even when she's not playing because I often see her just whacking the croquet ball around with her mallet all across the yard. I'm practicing, she says. <laughs> right. But it's clearly fun for her. And I think that's important to take away the grasping. And in a way, it's a metaphor for a larger view of life and a view that allows us a sense of satisfaction, which is to be engaged with the world, to truly mm. be there, but to not be attached. Because again, we can come to that flip side that sometimes we do where we say, well, okay, so if I'm not attached, then does that mean that I just don't care? And that's not it at all. It's caring very deeply, but it's that old analogy of holding onto something with your palm open and outstretched 
palm up versus grabbing tightly with your fist. Yeah, which smothers things. Yeah. So I guess there's this other side to things though, which is for it's not about forsaking goals and it's about being present, but we can still move through life. What is it that we actually want? What are we trying to experience? What are, why do we have goals in the first place? And if I was going to kind of put a trajectory towards something, how do I know what that thing should be? Oh, that is such an important one and so overlooked. So, okay, most people <laughs> in our culture would think that if they had X amount of money, let's use a million dollars, so that's not as much as it used to be. <laughs> when I was when a kid, we a million dollars, whoa. And now, oh, a million dollars, okay. <laughs> I know, that would maybe buy the house over there, right? But some places, boy, remember Hawaii? Oh, yeah. No, a million that dollars would... wouldn't even get you, okay. Anyway. All that aside, let's say I'm striving for that million dollars in my bank account. And usually we're not striving that just to have the numbers. We're striving for that because we believe it will give us something. What is that? If I think about having a lot of money, what is it that I actually want from owning that money? I might look and say, oh, okay, I want the freedom to be able to have time with my family or to pursue a interest that I'm really interested in, fishing. And I will strive and strive. And notice I will put those interests, the things that are important to me, my family and the fishing, aside in order to earn the money, which I believe will get me those things that I've been putting aside. And often, if we look carefully, we will find that many of the things that we believe we will get by achieving our goals are things that we already have if we would just stop and turn our attention, our mental activity, onto the thing that we desire. So essentially you're saying the reason we have the goal is often to get something that we are setting aside to try to get the goal for, if that makes sense. Yes. When maybe we cut out the middleman and say, hey, so actually that's probably a great exercise and something we practice a lot in our family is noticing what are the things I already have that I want. Reminds me of that great Calvin and Hobbes strip. I think maybe, have we even talked about that before? Maybe um, on a video or something, but... So Calvin's, oh, Hobbes, if you could have one wish, what would you wish for? And Hobbes says, oh, a tuna fish sandwich. And Calvin says, oh, that's ridiculous. You'd waste your wish on that. That's terrible. I'd wish for, you know, a clubhouse and a helicopter and a rocket launcher and blah, blah, blah. And then the last clip shows them and they're in the kitchen and they're having a tuna fish sandwich. There's the can of tuna fish and there's their sandwiches. And Hobbes goes, see, I got my wish. <laughs> and there's something about, could you wish for what you have? and start from there. Can you look around you and make a list and notice and put that mental activity onto the things that you love, that you already have within you? Because probably those things were things that at one point in time you wished you had, and now you do have them. So then I come to another question after all of that, which is, how do you know when you're satisfied? This is, and I it might sound like a silly question, but I see it happening with food too. I see it happening with lots of things. When is enough enough? Are you really full? Do you need that extra handful of popcorn or an extra <laughs> bottle of whatever? Or do you need an extra 
$50,000? Do you need, what, when do you know when you're satisfied? Right. When is enough enough? And that's difficult to tell, especially in a world that is always tempting us with more. All these advertisements saying that this other thing will make you happy. Foods that are designed to make us crave more of that food. So how do we get in touch with this feeling of when is enough enough? Well, I guess if I look at it, I try to figure when am I satisfied? And I feel that I'm the most satisfied when I am present, when I am where I am. And that doesn't necessarily mean I'm always happy or I'm always doing the thing that I think I should be doing that's going to be the most amazing thing. Because sometimes I do those most amazing things, but I am just so high I don't even notice. I'm having such a great time that later on I think, oh, gosh, I didn't even stop to savor this. And so for me, it comes down to being aware that I'm in the moment that I'm in. And then, for some reason, I feel as though, and maybe this is just a silly way of putting it, but I feel as though I slice through the veil of all of the game of trying to get this and that and the other thing and I think I'm here I don't actually have to get anything all I have to do is really show up and then from there the entire world is open to me I'm so glad you brought this up because I feel like this what I'll call a sense of clarity is not often spoken of in regards to mindfulness or being present moment but when we are present, we have a clarity unlike anything we can achieve through the usual routes of ruminating over something, really trying to think over a problem or a goal or figure things out. Being present adds a clarity and it does it simply because it, it wipes clean the slate of our mind. And we don't have all these extraneous thoughts that are mushing around in our brain. Or questions, or confusion. Oh. Instead, there are these moments of clarity. So you're cooking, you're doing the dishes, let's say. You're doing the dishes, and you're immersed in this clarity. Then you're not stuck in a hungry ghost mode. And you're able to see your life with a completely different viewpoint than when you are immersed in that ruminative thinking. I think the more time that I spend in that place, the more that I am able to move forward in a way that is in alignment with my real goals, whatever they might be. I remember, I don't know if I read a book or it was a conversation, but I remember a long time ago hearing that we can't actually make really good decisions, heart decisions, life decisions from a place that uses our critical constructive thinking mind. That is good for some problem solving, but if I'm trying to decide how I feel about marrying one person or not marrying them or some of these decisions that really to me come down to what I would call heart-centered, that a cut and dried list of pros and cons isn't going to cut it. And the more I'm stuck in that soup of, oh, but then this, oh, but then that, then I can't see clearly. And what I really need to do is to step away from it, come to that place of just being present. And what I call holding an open space where you don't know. 
and saying, I am going to reside in this space where I don't know, but I'm just going to be present here. And it's a little bit like watching the ground, waiting for seedlings to come up. And what happens when we enter that space, though, is that it's a place of, of artistic creativity. It's a place where we tap into something that sees the world without a bunch of labels on it. And that, to me, has always been the space from which I move forward as my best self, where my real decisions can be made, but without myself getting attached. Half of life, maybe, is this rationalness. Right? We can look at something, we can make that list of pros and cons, but that's only touching on a, I'm going to say even a smaller percent than 50%, on a portion of life. There is this entire aspect of life that is intuitive, that is feeling-based, that we can't capture in words. And if we are just thinking things through, we are going to miss out on that entire aspect of something. Thinking about who you're going to marry, yeah, there are maybe some rational pros and cons you can put down, but you're going to be missing the majority of the picture. How you feel around that person. Mm. the All these intangible aspects that you're really not going to have words for. That is an essential part of the decision. And that's where I think maybe having a meditative practice or an awareness practice and stepping into that place that we've been talking about here where we're having some gratitude where we're cultivating a sense of satisfaction with just where we are of being present that is really going to serve us the best far differently than trying to go after and get the things we want you almost sound like you're launching us into the action point. Okay, it's Should time for it? you to unleash your <laughs> life. And action point number one. Is just what you were talking about. Oh, you mean the M word? Yeah. <laughs> Mindfulness. Mindfulness, meditation, a practice of deepening your connection with the world and your ability to be present moment. If we can leave you with one thing from this season, it is that that will be more life-changing than really anything else you can do in your life. As we start to get in touch with our mind's activity, with our sense of being present moment, all of these things are going to resolve in our life. So many of the problems, the symptoms that we're experiencing of an unpleasant or unsatisfactory life are gonna dissolve under the clarity that that mindfulness gives. And it may seem like a, uh, a practice that doesn't bear a lot of fruit at first. Oh, you're just meditating. I spend 15 minutes a day just sitting here. The fruits are enormous. And I just can't say enough about it. Well, I was going to say, you can always try it for a while and it's not going to hurt you. Science says it's actually going to help you. So why not just try something for a bit? And there's lots of different ways to access a mindfulness practice. It doesn't just have to be sitting and meditating. You, you know, keeping a gratitude journal is definitely a part of being mindful or stopping and taking moments throughout the day just to take one deep breath and to think of a friend and send them love. There's lots of ways to stop your mental chatter and your complete autopilot of energy going towards things that maybe you don't want it to and to bring it back and say, let's be clear. What is the most important thing 
in life right now. And I would argue the most important thing is to show up for life. I'm going to do something I don't usually do here and plug some of our stuff. Oh, okay, plug and it. And say that if you're wanting to show up for life more deeply, our YouTube channel has, uh, I'm going to say, 400 plus videos now, many of which are really trying to point you in the direction of mindfulness or give you tools. There are so many tools and resources on that YouTube channel that it's just a wealth of information. We have two online courses that are video courses on our website and we ask for tuition for those but we give them away for free if you don't have the ability or even if you just don't desire to pay for that. So there are a bunch of other resources if you enjoy our podcast here that are available. So go for them, use them, enjoy them and we hope that they bring you more clarity yeah they're all just meant as an entrance point into a personal journey of being able to really savor this life right now that you're in in this very moment number two okay make a what i want list a what i want list now when i sit down to make my what i want list cheesecake. i may be tempted <laughs> to vote cheesecake yeah that <laughs> is definitely on the top and that million dollars and a different house and maybe a di uh, not a different wife i've got the perfect wife. <laughs> you may be putting a different spouse a different job all kinds of things but that's not the list we're talking about here we're talking about a list of what are the things you really want at the base of your life what is driving you to create goals in the first place? Yes. What will the goals give you? So what is the essence of what it is that you're striving towards? I remember seeing somebody once, I can't remember who it was, but we've adopted it as kind of a family uh, saying that in the end, maybe all we want is peace, love, and joy. Oh yeah, that was Swami... Somebody, somebody, somebody. Yeah, another. gosh, we should know him. I mean, anyway. And that may not be complete because some of us want maybe not peace so much as adventure or whatever it is. But looking and saying, what is it at the very base? Mm -hmm. Am I looking to just be satisfied? Mm -hmm. And if I'm looking to be satisfied, then is the engagement with desire in order to get me a bunch of things so that I can finally be satisfied is that actually doing the very opposite? Is it me trying to achieve a goal, but pulling the rug out from under myself and making it impossible because I, my actions are doing the exact opposite of what I'm trying to really get in life? Well, sometimes we can get trapped into what society tells us labels should be, who we are, what other people are. If you take the example of a different spouse, maybe what you really want underneath it all is just someone to share life with mm. someone to share your hobbies with or what you're passionate about or what happened during your day and hey if that's what it is is there a way maybe that's all your partner wants too and you guys just haven't been communicating and you can start talking about gosh these are the things I like oh these are the things I like and a lot of them are the same let's go do that so maybe it isn't Oh, I need to get a whole new person to be with, but maybe you just need to start a different level of communication or 
look at them in a different way and start to notice, hey, here's some things that we do already do together. So it's about shifting that focus and seeing maybe, and this comes into our third action point, maybe some of what I want is already there. Well, let's do number three, because this is asking us to pull all this together and to look at a current action or a current goal in your life. How you really want to get a new job. Okay. All right. And you're putting a lot of energy towards that right now. But if we stop and we say, okay, I'm going to look at that current action, that current goal. I'm going to look at that current action. I'm going to see, first of all, that that action is driven by a goal. Most of our actions, unless we become zenny and we start being like a tree and, and doing things action without action, <laughs> most of our actions, if not all of them, are goal-driven. Mm-hmm. So identifying how that goal is attached to my actions, being able to see that connection is really useful because usually we have these goals which we don't really understand maybe and all of our actions flutter about kind of aim towards that goal but not in any kind of strategic way it's there's a lot of fluff and chaos and just wasted energy essentially and then ask if my mental resources or my life energy resources could be reallocated more effectively okay so i want to get that new job and Now I'm identifying, well, what do I think that new job will bring me? Oh, it will bring me more time with my family. It will bring me less stress because the boss I have right now is really good, gets on my nerves. And then I ask, could this be achieved in a different way or do I already have the things I want? Could I go on part-time with this job? Maybe I don't need as much money and I could have more time with my family and less stress just by going part-time. Maybe I could communicate with my boss and try to establish a better relationship there. Maybe I do want to get a new job, but I want to look carefully at how I'm going to go about that because I could very well end up in a new job where my boss ends up being even more difficult to deal with than my current boss. So could I become an entrepreneur? Is there something waiting there that I'm not able to see because I'm stuck in my current process? Yeah, that's that's really wise to notice how much energy you're putting towards something and how much are you grasping at something versus how much are you engaged with life without being attached. And maybe you do decide, yes, I really do want that job. It's everything I've been hoping for. I think that the negatives are not going to be bad. The positives far outweigh them. And it still doesn't hurt to say that job is going to give me more time with my family, but how can I capitalize on that right now while I'm going for that? How can I not forget the things that are the essence of why I'm choosing that new job? If it's the creativity, hey, how about family time along with some art? Let's do something creative with my family when I have that family time and start feeding those things that are leading you to that in the first place. And I would simply add on, stop for a moment and take a look around you, assess your life a little bit and look at 
what you do already have in the instance of wanting a new spouse, maybe it isn't the spouse. Maybe it's just that you haven't had time with them as we were talking about. And so perhaps the essence of what you want is maybe already there. It just looks different than what you think it should look like. We sometimes stop recognizing, hey, that's the person that was my college sweetheart and I'm married to that person. And whoa, <laughs> just switching that around Suddenly you start talking to them differently. Suddenly you start engaging differently. And suddenly it's magic. So much of life is just where we put attention. And our mind will get into these ruts so that our attention is not going into places that really serve us. And if we start to take mindful, conscious command, I will say, mm. of that attention and start to put it in more, well, conscious places, then we start to be at the helm of our life again. And life feels completely different. It's not happening to us mm -hmm. so much as we are on an adventure in life and we're engaged with it. I think one of the most important things to realize is that we can choose our response. We may not get to choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we wanna look at it and how we want to respond. And to me, that's what life is about. How do we take what we're living with and how do we look at it in a way that keeps us satisfied and can share with others and can bring joy? We are so grateful to take you along with us. We would love to hear what satisfies you. What is your relationship with being present? How do you know when you are really just loving this life? The more that we share with each other, the more that we learn. And that's what we want to encourage is just continuing to grow, continuing to explore, and continuing to be curious and open. Love to you all. Mwah.